Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I'm glad someone brought these cards along because I forgot to send a card to my mum in Sydney, but I know she's watching online this morning. So big happy Mother's Day, Mum. I don't really remember you putting too many Band-Aids on my knee, but what I do remember is the way that Jesus healed you. And even though you are unwell and you lived with crippling anxiety and depression and agoraphobia and uh, were locked in our house uh, because of that disease for a very long time, you did not give up on your family and you did not give up on Jesus over several decades. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And I'm very, very grateful to God for the way that in 1985, one Monday in October, he healed you completely and set you free. And your transformation, your transformation has transformed my life and my faith. I know that Jesus can heal anybody of anything because of your testimony. Mum, you're also a great cook. I love your cooking, always have, uh, always will. Also want to uh, honour a special mum, who is my wife, Shushan, who's also a pretty good cook, but uh, I want to honour her today for going on this incredible adventure of life and uh, faith as we've raised our kids. You were the one who, uh, 20 years ago, really believed that God was calling us to move states, to move north and to come uh, to Gateway. And uh, your faith and your belief in what God was calling us to has blessed us immensely. I've loved all the adventures that we've gone on around Australia. And now we started to go on as our kids have gotten older around the world, climbing mountains. And even though you are now an old grandma, you still ride along the beach with me. And uh, we really, there she is, in the newspaper even. And put your hands together uh, for Granny Shush. Hey, I want to encourage you today, honour your mums with your words. Find some time, whether you are around a table or whether you've got to make a phone call, maybe you're online right now, and uh, your mum may or may not be online, but just take a moment to honour your mum in the chat. It's going to encourage other mums that are part of our online campus, but take some time today. I'm going to have to get on the phone to talk to my mum. She's a state away, but if you're sitting around a table, just pause and take some time to honour and bless your mums with your words. Hey, we're continuing our Blessed series today. Started a new series last week called Blessed. It's, uh, we're, we're talking through the Beatitudes, the blessings that Jesus talks about on the Sermon on the Mount. Walks up a mountain, gets all his followers around him, all his disciples uh, around him, and he begins to teach them the ways of the kingdom of God. And it was completely upside down to their current mindset. 
It was completely upside down to the, to the ways of the world. So they thought at the time, their mindset at the time was, blessed are you, happy are you, better is your life if you are strong and self-sufficient and you're standing on your own two feet and you don't need anybody else. That was their thinking. That's how you were blessed. And then Jesus comes along and he says, Blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit and you've got nothing but God. I've got a blessing for you. Even when you're poor in spirit. You know, their mindset was, the ways of their the thinking, they thought life is better, life will be blessed, we'll be happy if we can fight and win. We'll be happy and blessed if we can overthrow our enemies, but not only overthrow our enemies, but oppress them and crush them into the dust. That's how we'll be blessed if we can actually crush and curse our enemies. And then Jesus says, actually, blessed are the peacemakers. You're blessed if you make peace with your enemies. You're blessed if you actually choose to bless and, and love your enemies rather than curse them. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, we may not be like the people on the side of the hill that Jesus had gathered around him. We may not have a Roman regime that is oppressing us. And we may not have an, an army that we'd love to overthrow. We'd love to attack and crush them into the ground. But the mindset is the same. You think about it. When somebody hurts you, when somebody oppresses you in some way, in your head, in your heart, we think, I'll feel better, I'll be happier, I'll be blessed if I win the fight in my marriage. I'll feel better if I could just get that person back somehow that hurt me. I seek revenge in some way and I hurt them back. We actually think in our heads, we'll feel better for it. You know, we think we'll actually, you know, feel better. And this has happened for some of you this week. Some of you thought, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel blessed if I crush the jerk at work with my words. Come on, who's ever thought that? Some of you are honest. We, we think we're going to feel better if I just blurt out those words. I'm actually going to feel better. On the inside, and Jesus is saying the same thing to us. I'm turning this upside down. I'm telling you, real blessing is when you're a peacemaker. And peacemakers, they'll be called children of God. Why is that? Because our Father in heaven is a peacemaker. Our Father in heaven, he made the first move to make peace when we didn't deserve it, when it wasn't fair. You know, when our sins deserved death, when, when, when we actually deserved separation from God forever, when, when we actually, you know, deserved the wrath of God because of our sin and disobedience against God, 
God in heaven. It wasn't us that made the first move. God in heaven made the first move to make peace when our relationship with God was broken, when we were alienated from God. He made the first move to make peace and he was pleased to do it. Listen to what Colossians chapter 1 says. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Who's him? Who's him? Come on, it's same answer in Sunday school every time. Who's him? Yeah, thank you. That's a pretty easy one. You don't get a chocolate for that. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He made peace with us. He made the first move to make peace by sending his son to a cross. He died the death that we deserved. He shed his blood so we wouldn't have to. He was separated from the love of his father on that cross as he took all of our sins upon his shoulders so that would never happen for us. He made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, and if you've got faith in Jesus, this is true for you now. Not when you get to heaven, now. This is true for you. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and listen to these wonderful three words, free from accusation. Aren't they good words? God made the first move to make peace. He sent his son to shed his blood that we, when we were alienated from God, when we were separated from God because of our sin, could have our sin, our death forgiven. We could have peace with God now, free from accusation, free from accusation. The problem is we've got an enemy who is known as the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the family of God. He loves to accuse. He loves to bring up the past. He loves to bring up your sin. And he doesn't just bring up what you've done, but he brings it up in a way to say this is who you are. And so where Jesus has done everything to win the battle for peace for us, there is an accuser who wants to keep dragging you back into a place of accusation. When Jesus says you are free from accusation, he keeps accusing you and fills you with anxiety. And anxiety is running rife in our community today. And I'm not here to pretend there's any one simple reason why that is. But I'm just going to talk about one simple reason that does cause some anxiety. I think some of the, the explosion of anxiety in our, in our community today. It's the pressure to be perfect. The pressure to be perfect. The pressure to live the insta-perfect life. You know, the pressure to have the perfect body, the, per the pressure to have the perfect partner, the pressure to have the perfect marriage, the, the pressure to have the perfect looking house, the, the pressure, you know, to have the perfect kids who are always perfectly behaved, the, the pressure for life to be perfect 
and when we can never live up to it, when we're never quite there, where the accuser gets in, it's that gap. It's that gap between where we get to and that level of perfection, that expectation we got in our mind. The accuser gets into that gap. He starts to say, you're hopeless. You'll never make it. You're never good enough. It's never going to work out for you. We start to get filled with anxiety. You'll never be perfect. As I said before, I love my mum, but my mum wasn't perfect. She's a great cook, but I hated her sandwiches going to school. She was terrible at making sandwiches. You know, these two bits of skinny, white, dry bread, and then she'd plonk a bit of Devon on it. Oh, I, just, I, can't, I still can't look at Devon today. It's disgusting. I had it for years, every day at school. Then she'd squirt tomato sauce all over it, then just plonk another bit of bread on it, wrap it in grease-poof paper, then put it in my hot school bag in the sun, and by lunchtime, that skinny white bread had curled up at the edges, but in the middle it had soaked up all the tomato sauce. It was disgusting. I couldn't eat it. But I don't know why, I don't know what was wrong with me, and I don't know what was wrong with other children who did this. I didn't throw it out, I wanted to honour my mum, I just left it in my bag. (laughs) Anyone else got a kid who does that? What is wrong with us? And they just pile up in my bag, and there'd just be this explosion of mouldy Devon in the bottom of my bag. I had to throw out a school bag every six months, the bottom just rotted out. I didn't like her sandwiches, and she was hopeless at haircuts. Not, no, sorry, not her haircuts. Mum, you had a lovely perm growing up. <laughs> I mean, she, her haircuts she would do on me, she'd just put a Tupperware bowl on my head and just cut around it. You know, from, from the age of 2 to 12, I just lived with a bowl cut. As for Shushan, hey. I know you're not going to believe this, but she's not perfect either. She's never made my lunch for work once. Sometimes I dream of a dry Devon sandwich. And one time she was cutting my hair in the kitchen. She got halfway through it and our clippers broke. And she says, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm sitting there with half shaved head, half long hair, and she says, sorry, I've got to go to Cambodia. I'm getting on a plane. I'll see you later. And it was Saturday night, and I had to preach the next morning, and then those shops open. She's not a perfect granny. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever meet those perfect expectations. And it's in that gap the accuser gets in and fills us with anxiety. But God has said there is a way. There is a way to live at perfect peace when life is imperfect. Peace is possible when life is imperfect. Paul, who's sitting in a prison cell, life is imperfect. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. This is what he says about living in the peace of God. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is not living the perfect life. He's in a prison cell about to die in cruel, atrocious conditions. And he says, peace is possible. Rejoice, praise, always. Keep praying. Keep presenting your request to God and do it with thanksgiving. And you can know a peace that actually passes human understanding. You can know a peace when life is imperfect. I want to invite three ladies today to share a bit of their journey of uh, finding the peace, finding peace in the presence of God when life is imperfect. So would you welcome Lauren, Shushan and Bronte to the stage. Give them a big welcome. We've got a daughter, a young mum and an old granny. Someone needs to teach you to tuck your shirt in, fair dinkum. What, what is with the half tuck? It's what? Fashion, does it look good on me? I'm going to rock the half, I'm going to rock the half tuck. We can be matching, matchy, matchy on Mother's Day. All right, we're not here to talk about fashion, thankfully. Lauren, uh, you're a young mum, kids are all at school now, but... You're, you're in ministry with Tim, both in the States and here in Australia, with uh, kids, young toddlers running around everywhere. Life is hectic. When we visited you in the States, you're actually looking after other people's kids with lots of problems in your home also. Uh, life's been busy for you. How have you managed to find peace with God in the midst of chaos? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it constantly feels like a, a bit of a juggle. I remember as a young adult, I actually found it quite easy to find a regular rhythm of spending time with Jesus where I would have that, what I would call a quiet time where I would uh, have my Bible, have my journal and uh, spend time praying with God. And uh, that seemed somewhat, as I look back now, effortless as a young adult. But as I got married and had kids, uh, I tried to cling on to that idea of having a quiet time. But I constantly felt like I just failed because it wasn't, it just didn't seem like it was quiet anymore, my life. And uh, when the things did kind of die down at the end of the day, when I would spend that time with Jesus, I'd fall asleep very quickly. And I, I would try and justify it by saying I was resting in the presence of Jesus, which I felt like I needed at the time. But uh, day after day, month after month, I just was not able to find that. It was a, a juggle to daily find that time to spend with Jesus. And I distinctly remember one morning when I thought, you know what, it's been, it's been a long time since I picked up my Bible, so I better just sit down and uh, do that. And I picked it up, sat down at the table, and uh, before I could open it, I, uh, one of the kids came up to me and uh, had spilt some milk all over the floor. So I went and did that, and then I went back and opened the Bible, and then uh, someone needed help in the toilet. And I came back to that spot, and I just said to God, I said, well, at least I tried. You know, there's got to be points in there somewhere for at least trying. And in that moment, I just felt God whisper into my heart. He said, you know what? 
it's okay to have a noisy time. I can still speak to you in the midst of the chaos. And for me, that has, over the last few years, changed everything in being able to spend time with Jesus. And so most mornings now, I will get my Bible and my journal, and as I eat my breakfast, I will sit there and I will have what I now call a noisy time because I sit there and I spend time coming before God and just trying to take hold of that peace that he promises through his word. But I am constantly interrupted. Even this morning, like I couldn't have scripted it better. As I was sitting there spending time with Jesus, one of the kids came up, they couldn't find their shoes. Another kid couldn't find their denim pants. And uh, that's my life. But as I sit with Jesus each morning, I just, I, I can't get through the day without being able to take hold of the promises that his word um, gives me. That's good, Laurie. I reckon a bunch of us just need to, uh, to take hold of that this morning, noisy time with God. You see, when you're my age and family's at the stage it is, you've probably got no excuse not to have a quiet time. I've got time, I can carve aside. But for many of you, with, with young kids particularly, you, you identify with this season. I just want to encourage you, keep a constant conversation with God going in the midst of the noise. Don't, don't worry if you can't you know, meditate beside the dam for two hours every day. Keep a constant conversation going with God. This is a simple thing for you to remember. Pray in imperfect places. Pray in imperfect places. Paul was sitting in a prison cell. It didn't smell good. It didn't look good. It didn't feel good. But he just says in every situation, with prayer and petition, present your request to God. Pray in imperfect places. Thanks, Laurie. Shushan, you, uh, I've watched you, particularly in the last few years, daily battle with anxiety. And I, I've watched you keep winning that battle and particularly uh, seeing the power of praise at work uh, in, in your life. Just tell us a little bit of how praise helps you win the battle of anxiety. Yeah, I, I've probably struggled all my life on and off with anxiety, um, and especially in the last couple of years, and carried a deep sense of not being good enough, not being perfect. And um, from a young age, I learnt... Uh, through worship, I love, I love worship, I love singing praise, and I've learnt through worship, um, the words written by someone else, prayers written by someone else to music, the music shifts something in my heart, but as I sing out those words written by someone else, I'm able to lift my eyes off the, the circumstances and the things that are giving me anxiety or even just the anxiety in itself that can be so overwhelming and for no reason at all, but it helps me to lift my eyes off the anxiety and turn them uh, to Jesus as I'm praising him with the words that somebody else has gifted me. Um, and as I do that, God becomes bigger than my anxiety. I'm magnifying him over the things that are causing me anxiety. And as I do that, he's filling me with courage to keep going. And he's, he really does fill me with a peace that passes understanding because it's not always that the feelings go away, but I actually hear God say, you're enough. You're enough. 
And so in those moments, my peace comes as I know that I am held by a God who says that I'm enough and he gives me the courage to keep going. I've watched you uh, in all different places, whether it's in the car, in our land room, in our backyard, going for walks, just uh, choosing, even when you don't feel like it sometimes, to praise. I just want to encourage all of us to, uh, to praise God even when life is imperfect. You know, sometimes we think we praise when everything's going good, but we don't praise God you know, because all our problems are disappearing. We don't, we don't praise God because our, our kids are doing exactly what we want them to. We don't praise God because our bank balance is soaring. The reason we pray God, praise God is because when we were deserving of death because of our sin, and we had no way of solving that problem ourselves, God sent his son to solve the problem. God sent his son to die on our behalf, to make peace through his blood, it was shed on the cross. But he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he was raised from the dead and he gives every single one of us with faith in him power to overcome the challenges and the problems in our lives. We praise, not because everything is perfect. We praise because we have a perfect saviour who has forgiven us perfectly. We praise because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he is King of kings and he is Lord of lords. We praise because he is worthy of all glory and honour and praise. And as we praise him, our eyes start to slowly lift off our problems and on to how great he is. Please put your hands together and just praise Jesus this morning. Praise when uh, life is imperfect. Bronte, you are incredibly committed to our sermon series. We started a new series last week called Blessed, and you came home with a new tattoo on your arm. Just have a look at Bronte's tattoo. I'm not sure what you're going to do next month. Our next series is called The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. I'm not sure where you're going to get that one tattooed, but uh, just tell us a little bit about the tat prompt. Why'd you get it? Well, I thought it looked cool, so there's that. <laughs> um, no, but the real meaning um, behind it was to remind me of how, that, what, how much I have to be grateful for um, and to focus on how much God has really blessed me in my life. Um, I would say my biggest blessing from God would be when I was healed from my um, anxiety and anorexia back when I was in high school. Um, during this time, I was so incredibly angry with God and blamed him for giving me the illness. Um, during this time, I really drifted from my faith and got really angry when anyone would even mention his name. Yeah, I was drowning in anxiety for a while um, and I really couldn't see um, a way out of it and I didn't see life without it. I honestly thought it was something that I was going to live with forever, and for a few years it really did feel like that. Um, I specifically remember when I, um, I was getting discharged from my long stay in hospital, one of the nurses said to me, he's like, you'll be back, I'll be seeing you again. They always come back. Um, however, 10 years later, um, that has never been further from the truth. <laughs> And while there are still days where I struggle, um, I can definitely say that my mental health has never been better. And the only answer I have um, to how I was healed was through God. It truly is the only explanation that I have. 
During that time, I had so many people praying for me, praying for my recovery. God was not going to let that be my story. He had greater plans. Um, it is through this um, that I have found immense peace. The God of the universe cared enough about little old me to save me from my illness. Not only has he saved me, but he's made me stronger through it. Looking back on it now, I focus on how this has led me to then go volunteer at Bloom Asia for a year, as what I'd gone through filled me with so much compassion that I wanted to help others who had also experienced struggle. I feel beyond blessed to have been healed from my illness to then be used to go and bless others. I'm blessed to have people that prayed for me every day and did everything they could to see me healed and continue to pray for me even now. I'm blessed to be able to use my story to hopefully help others out there struggling. I'm blessed to have come, come out stronger on the other side. I'm blessed to serve a God that no matter how many times you turn your back on him or get angry at him, he'll always welcome you back with loving arms. It would have been easy for me to have focused on the negative of the past and how it just wasn't fair. I could have stayed mad at God for allowing me to go through it. However, I have chosen to focus on the good things that God has done and the way he's healed my past and led me to so many greater things from it. It has helped me live at peace in the present rather than anxious about the past. Well, Mum and I are very grateful to God too. Been so good to us as a family and so good to you. Just put your hands together. Thank you. <laughs> the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. That's the story to tell. Some of us have got stories going over and over in our head about our past. We keep reliving past mistakes, past pain, and it just keeps dragging us back into anxiety. Paul, I believe, is saying here, in every situation, give thanks for what God has done in the past. Give thanks that he's got you through it. Give thanks that he's healed you of it. Give thanks that he's forgiven you for those stupid things that you did. Give thanks. Give thanks for what he's done in the past. Don't keep reliving the past. Because when we relive the past, when we let the accuser in, we are filled with anxiety. But when we give thanks to God that he keeps welcoming us back with open arms, no matter how many times we've turned our back on him, it fills our hearts with peace. Some of us, I'm not saying we all need to go out and get blessed tattooed on our arm. Maybe just get a texter. And just do it the cheap way. Just for a couple of weeks. Just remember how much God has blessed you. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. I am so grateful to God for what he's done in our family. I'm so grateful to God for what he's done in Bronte's life. Our God is good. He's powerful. He's strong. He's loving. He's compassionate. Peace 
is possible when life is imperfect. And let me just finish today by saying peacemakers, peacemakers make the first move to make peace with imperfect people. Put your hand up if you've got some imperfect people in your life. They're annoying, aren't they, imperfect people? Peacemakers make the first move to make peace with imperfect people. The extent to which you live at peace with God will determine the extent to which you're able to make peace with others that are imperfect. God made the first move to make peace with you when you deserved death because of your sin. And he says his children will follow in his footsteps. We'll make the first move to make peace. And Jesus, quite a bit actually in this sermon, goes on to say how to make peace, how to actually follow in your father's footsteps. And I'm not going to go into all of it, just two quick things. Firstly, peacemakers pause to bless, not blurt to curse. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, Jesus said. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray a blessing over your enemies that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You may follow in your Father's footsteps. Who here, when you are angry at someone, when you are angry at the way they've made you feel, when they're angry at the way they've hurt you, in the midst of that anger, you have blurted out some words that have caused more pain. Come on, put your hand up. We've got a lot of blurters in the room. We've all done it at some time. We blurt out curses in the heat of the moment and it doesn't help. It doesn't bless them. It doesn't bless us. It doesn't make anyone happy and it does not make life better. And Jesus saying, do not in the heat of the moment blurt to curse. But when there's anger and hurt and pain in your heart, pause, pause and pray. Pray a blessing over that person. When you've actually got no helpful words to say to that person, pause. Begin to pray a blessing over them. It will change your heart. First funeral I ever did, nearly 30 years ago. Lady named Helen, daughter of one of the girls in our youth group, died suddenly around the age of 50 in a sleep. No, no warning. I remember first funeral I ever did, and her twin sister got up to speak at the funeral and said, Helen and I blurted out some words in anger 10 years ago and we haven't spoken to each other since. But I wish she was still here because I still love her. They shared a womb and they shared a room but in anger they blurted out curses and it broke their relationship and neither of them made the first move to make peace and it was too late. Don't let that happen in your family. It's those that we share a womb with, probably most of us not at the same time, but it's those that we share a womb with and those that we share a room with, whether that be a bedroom, a family room, a boardroom, a lunchroom. It's those that are, live in our closest proximity that have the power to hurt us the most and we have the power to hurt them the most. 
Jesus says, pray for those who have hurt you. Pray for those who are persecuting you. Can I encourage us today? Don't blurt to curse, but pause. Pray a blessing over them. When you've got no good words to say, pray for them until God changes your heart and you can actually speak blessing over them. Peacemakers make the first move to make peace with imperfect people. They don't blurt to curse, but they pause to bless. And lastly, peacemakers put the pegs away. I didn't notice, Rosie. We used to play this stupid game as a family on holidays. We used to play this stupid game when we went on holidays. We would find the pegs in the laundry of whatever house we were staying in. And we'd put some in our pocket. And as we were walking down the street, we'd secretly peg someone behind their back. We'd put it on the bottom of their shirt or if they had long hair, we'd put it in their hair. And you wouldn't know it. You'd be walking along the main street of Malula Bar in summertime and you'd have six pegs hanging off your shirt. Half an hour later, you'd realise why everyone was pointing and laughing. And you'd quickly take the pegs off and you'd put them in your pocket. And and you'd wait for that opportune time to get them back. You wouldn't always know who'd even done it, but it didn't matter. You were going to get someone back. You were going to get revenge. It was a stupid game because we were on holidays, but nobody knew any peace. You were walking around constantly on eggshells, When are they going to get me back? And just when you think they'd forgotten, you'd find six more pegs hanging off your shirt. The only reason the game ever stopped was if someone in the family was mature enough to put the pegs away when they got pegged and not seek revenge. Unfortunately, in our family... There was only one such person, Shushan. The rest of us, we couldn't help ourselves. We just couldn't wait to get someone back. We'd still be playing it today if it wasn't for Shushan. Anyone notice besides Roseanne that I had pegs on my jacket this morning? I know. (laughs) Some of us think that no one notices that we're walking around with a chip on our shoulder. We think no one notices that we're walking around wounded. We think no one notices that we're walking around carrying a fence in our heart. We think no one notices. Everyone notices. But someone has to make the first move to make peace. Someone has to be the person 
who says, I'm going to put the pegs away and I'm going to make peace. Be that person. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, be that person. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. There's a peace in God that you can find when life is imperfect. Paul says, when life's imperfect, pray in imperfect places. Praise. Lift your eyes off your problems and give thanks in all circumstances for the goodness of God. There's a peace that transcends our understanding. You see, the peace of God is not dependent on life being perfect. The peace of God is completely dependent on the presence of Jesus in your life. People go looking for peace staring into crystals or at the bottom of a bottle or baking on the beach thinking this is going to bring me peace. It never does or it never lasts. But there is a peace that is not dependent on a perfect life but it's completely dependent on the presence of Jesus in your life. I encourage you to turn to him, put your faith in him, receive his peace. He made peace through shedding his blood on the cross. Now, once you've found that peace, we're called to be peacemakers, to make peace with imperfect people. It's a peace that a guy like Horatio Spafford received when his life wasn't perfect, he lost his family. He lost his fortune and he wrote this old hymn that's still been sung around the world today. It's a, it's a song of praise that when life is imperfect, I choose to declare the goodness of God. I choose to live in the peace of God. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well It is well with my soul. Can we stand together this morning? Father, thank you. Thank you that you made the first move to make peace with us. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to shed his blood on the cross. so thankful so grateful God right now as we just pause before you would you come and fill our hearts with peace God just in the quietness of this place just invite God in invite his spirit of peace to come in Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill our hearts with peace. A peace that passes understanding. Father, in the midst of the chaos, the pain and the turmoil, 
right now, would you help us by the power of your spirit, would you lift our eyes to you? The one who has given us peace. The one who sits on your throne completely at peace. God, right now, help us to receive that peace. Put our faith and our trust in you in the midst of whatever's happening in our families, whatever's causing us pain in our heart. We lift, lift our eyes to you. Would you fill us with peace and would you help us today declare, it is well, it is well with my soul. Come on, let's sing it together. Sing it when you're able. Sing it when you can sing it with truth and integrity in your heart. Sing along with the team. When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my love thou hast taught me to say it is well Oh, the 
team down the front right now. I just reckon there's a bunch of us who are walking through difficult times in, in your family right now. You've got challenges and trials right now. Maybe there's anxiety that's creeping in and you just need someone to stand with you and speak the name of Jesus over your family. Speak the name of Jesus over you today in your struggle with anxiety. I know there's a bunch of you here. Can I just encourage you to come just come right now and just let someone speak the peace of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus. Just speak Jesus over your family. Just keep coming. I, I, there's a group of people, just why others are coming, I want to pray for. I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself. I'm not even going to ask you to come out the front unless you want to. I, I just, just felt burdened to pray for those who in the last year, since last Mother's Day, You've either lost your mother or you've lost a child or a sister or someone who would normally be sitting around your table today. And there's grief in your heart. I just want to pray for you. I, pray, I just want to pray that God would minister to you. He would minister His peace and His comfort and His hope. Hope for the future. Let me just pray for you. If that's you, just, just while everyone's eyes are closed, just, just put your hands out, just receive it today. Father God, you see, you see those people who are missing someone around their table today. God, you, you feel, you don't just empathise, but God, that, that word is that you, you feel, you feel their pain. You cry with them. You put your arms around them and God, I pray that they would know your presence. They'd know the power of your arms around them, holding them, even holding them up at times, wiping away their tears. God, would you come by your spirit? Would you give comfort? God, would you bring a peace where there's turmoil right now? Some of you even got just an unsettled stomach or just sort of butterflies in your heart right now. God, I pray for peace to come. God, there'd just be a peace that would, would come upon them. And God, I do pray for hope for the future. God, fill them with hope. Hope that they'll be reunited. Hope that you'll never let them go. Hope that you're going to keep walking with them into the future. God, would you bless them today with comfort and with peace and with hope in the name of Jesus. Just keep coming if you need someone to uh, pray with you this morning. If you're online, just, uh, just tell someone that you'd like prayer. They'd love to pray with you. And also, if you're here this morning and you want to know that peace through faith in Jesus Christ, you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you can come and see anyone down the front here. Just let them know. That's the decision you want to make. Or if you're online, just uh, press that button. Just say, hey, I'm putting my hand up. I want to know uh, Jesus today. Would you do that? 
We're just going to sing. Just, just Can we sing the chorus? Can we just sing it as well? Oh, there's some more people that need to come. I just want to give you time to come. Just come and wait. Can we just sing again? It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. With my soul. With my soul. It is well. It is well. With my encourage you, take some time to bless your mum with your words. Remember how blessed you are. Come on, take some time to give thanks this week. And just as a, as a proud dad, can you just thank Bronte this morning? That's the first time she shared that story publicly. I'm very proud of you, Bronte. I know, I know God is using that story to give some of you hope whatever your kids are walking through right now. I know it's going to be a story. It's going to see the blessing of God just keep getting poured out from generation to generation. Be blessed. Have a great Mother's Day. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.